have to start this with a funny story. So I started my day before my recordings, just like I always do. I had my breakfast, my coffee, a little reading time, and then I was taking my dog Luca on a walk. Now we walk this path every day, multiple times, and I've never had a problem. All of a sudden, he came running towards me, as you see in the movies. It almost appeared to be slow motion, and I noticed that he had just rolled. And when I mean rolled, I mean he was smothered in all sorts of animal junk. (laughs) And I'm not sure how well you know me or how much I've shared this, but I'm a little bit squeamish. And so I frantically texted Kobe, And was like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to hop on. It's going to depend on if I can hold my stomach or not. (laughs) So I texted my my husband, Colby. He wasn't able to come home. And so it was me, myself, and I figuring out how to bathe this precious, crazy doggo of mine in, in like a crunch time. And so Kobe was so gracious with me. She is a mom of two boys. And so she has also seen it all, but I had to quickly bathe my dog after I realized that even though I was a little bit green, I had, I didn't toss the cookies. So we texted her. We were a little bit crunched on time. So we made this a half an hour episode. Um, but oh my gosh, it was such, it was, oh my God, it was such an eventful morning and the perfect lead in for, what better lead in for a very powerful, very transformational Christmas conversation. So um, here's the deal with this conversation, guys. We have such a beautiful opportunity ahead of us. Our tables are going to be filled. And so many of us want meaningful connection. We just don't know how to get there. I think we are also unified on 99% of us don't want conflict at our table. We don't want there to feel Like there's a sense of divide. And so I brought Kobe on. She is not a stranger of making room to talk about the difference between curiosity and nosiness, the beauty and the truth of assumptions, um, beauty, truth, and danger, I should say. Um, Also, how to engage and embrace Gen Z, the younger generation at our tables, and so much more. This half hour conversation is short and sweet but packed as we go into um, opening our doors and filling our tables for Christmas or whatever um, holiday you are preparing to celebrate. So here's a little bit more about Kobe. If you haven't listened to her episodes before on Making Room, Kobe Campbell is an award-winning licensed trauma therapist, author, media expert, and speaker. She is currently preparing to release her first book with W Publishing of HarperCollins titled, Why Am I Like This?, how to break cycles, heal from trauma, and restore your faith. Kobe received her bachelor's in psychology from UNCW and a master's in Christian counseling from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. With a kind, compassionate, and energetic spirit, she helps people find her truest find the truest versions of themselves under the pain that they've endured through therapy, support groups, speaking, preaching, retreats, and organizational trainings. This conversation, so many times throughout this dialogue, I was like, okay, that little nugget is enough for all of us to just reflect on for the next year. So this conversation is chocked full of wisdom and practical tips for you to just chew on as you get ready to open your doors, fill your tables, and create a sense of belonging through your hospitality this year. Hi, I'm Katie, a hospitality educator and the host of Making Room by Gather podcast. I am set to see our communities get back to the table through hospitality. 
but it wasn't always this way. My husband and I moved to Thailand and through it, I experienced some loneliness. And with it, I was given a choice to sit back and accept it or to do something about it. And for me, that meant two things, that I needed the healing to learn how to accept an invitation and the confidence to know how to extend one. Through this process, I developed some of the richest and deepest relationships of my life, which means that I know you can too. It just requires a few things. Through Making Room by Gather, you will hear conversations from myself and experts in the areas of food, design, and relationships. You see, there are countless things trying to keep us from the table. But can I tell you something? Take a seat because you are ready. You are capable. You are a good host. So I want to dive into this as we're going into the holidays, um, we are going to be facing a lot of different dynamics and opportunity for relationships. So I don't just want us to be afraid as we're sitting with people. I want us to kind of see it as a sweet opportunity as well um, yeah. to really connect. And so I think that this topic of curiosity comes up a lot. And we tell people when you're engaging with someone new, um, be curious. But I think that there's a lot of unknown about that. So let's unpack that. What is curiosity and why is it important? Yeah. So I would say that curiosity is truly seeking to understand from a point of connection and admiration, right? Like it wow. is completely normal to seek to understand someone or something, but are you seeking to understand to defend, to prove? Are you seeking to understand so that you can connect and so that you can listen? And I think that it's important because, you know, a lot of people have people ask them questions and their immediate response is defensiveness because questions have become this covert way to challenge people, to make them prove things, to make them defend the choices that they've made in their lives. And I think that we can really reclaim what it means to just simply ask someone a question when we do it with um, gentleness, kindness, tenderness, and true desire to get to know that person instead of prove a point. I love that. I'm trying to summarize it to like curiosity is um, is different from like nosiness or things like that because of the intention. Mm -hmm. So it's the intention behind it, right? Oh, for sure. And, you know, nosiness is about getting information for leverage. Like, I don't need this information to connect to you. I need this information for leverage for something. Like I'm storing it like ammo to use later. I don't know what for what, but I have this information about you that I can use for you against you, but I have it and it has nothing to do with connecting to you as a person. Oh, I feel like we could just stop. Okay, we're going home. (laughs) (laughs) That alone is so helpful. Um, Okay, so that's the difference between curiosity and nosiness. So we have that as we're going into this conversation. Um, Now, here is another question that I think is super important. So we're sitting with people at the holidays, um, maybe for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, assumptions is something we hear a lot about, like, don't assume, don't assume, or, um, we are in a lot of different contexts. First of all, what is an assumption? Let's start there. Um, An assumption is a judgment that we make about someone based on what we've experienced in the past. 
Wow. Right? I may see yeah. you as a woman and make an assumption that you have children, that you want children, that you are the person at home who carries the load of cleaning or cooking. All of those assumptions are based on, I'm taking all the information I've had and seen from other people, collected it, collected it and said, I, I assume this has to be true of you. Like, all this information that pertains to other people, this must pertain to you because you guys have so many things in, in common, like so many things that are similar. Wow. So are assumptions ever healthy? I think that assumptions can be healthy when paired with curiosity. Wow. Right? So okay. it is imp- like we it is completely normal to make assumptions because that's how human brains work. That's how we understand the context of what's around us, right? There's just a truth about that. It's unfortunate, but if I am in a grocery store and I'm walking out and all the people walking out with me are men, I have my keys between my fingers and my head's on a swivel. You know, if it's um, a group of women walking with me, I'm probably going to, you know, smile at them or, you know, make a joke or something. Um, And those assumptions are based on my past experiences. But if I don't go into a situation with a sense of curiosity, then I make my assumption something that is factual and I treat it as if it's true. So making an assumption, expressing an assumption and acting on an assumption are all different things, right? Well, okay. I'm going to naturally make an assumption about you. That's how the human brain works. But instead of taking that assumption as truth, I can be curious and ask you a question that either confirms or denies my assumption. Okay, play that out for me. Absolutely. So um, this happens all the time with people. So people will see uh, me or my husband and um, they will, you know, ask about our families and it is really unfortunate, but it happens more than you think. People will assume that either of us don't have our fathers in our lives. Whoa. Right. So they might have that assumption because of cultural narratives that they've heard about Black people and Black families, right? Mm-hmm. But they could have asked, tell me about your family, right? That's assumption plus curiosity, which gives the opportunity for me to gain understanding But without curiosity, they acted on the assumption by using language that says, and I'm assuming your dad's not in your life or, yeah, it's really hard when you grow up without a father figure. Mm. That's something that happens when you act on an assumption and don't approach a person with assumption plus curiosity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. And this happens to women all the time too, right? Like, uh, oh, like, you know what it's like having kids. Or I know you probably just can't wait to have kids of your own. Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah. And I acted on it, but I could have had an assumption. Maybe this person has a kid and I could have said, oh, what is your family like? Ah, it's great. I know. I'm trying to think of different dynamics that we might face at our holiday tables. So say we haven't seen extended family in a long time. And again, you might, well, that, that one fits like the one in kids one. So instead of assuming like, Hey, when are kids coming? Or I bet you're excited. You could ask, right. Or what would that look like? Cause the kids thing is hard. I've been seeing that a lot on social media. Yeah. Well, I would say this, uh, unless someone offers up, it's such a sensitive subject as a mother of two and someone who has experienced a a miscarriage before. 
it's still hard when people ask like, oh, do you want a third? You know, those are conversations I have with my twin sister, with my like best friends, not with people over a dinner table, right? Wow. Um, Or like we mentioned before, people being nosy and gossiping like, oh, well, you know, this person just had, you know, a miscarriage and, you know, they're really struggling, but, you know, lucky for you, you got two kids having no clue that I've also experienced this as well, right? Wow. And so when I think about families and the things that people assume, a lot of it is related to family structures. um, And at the core of it all is like a sense of desire. So something might be, if someone has a particular job, and I've seen this happen before, someone has a particular job that societally is not admired or um, societally is something that people don't typically strive after. Mm -hmm. Someone has a job as a bus driver. Mm-hmm. In family settings, it is really common for people to assume like, oh, but I'm sure something good, something something great's going to come along. Or, you know, like I'll be on the lookout for a job for you. And the assumption is that person doesn't enjoy their job because society does not admire that job. Mm-hmm. Or if someone living in an apartment, oh, like I can't wait for you guys to get in the house. The assumption is that someone wants to be a homeowner. Homeowner. I can't wait for you to become a parent. One day you'll know when you become a parent. The assumption is that I want to be a parent, right? Mm -hmm. And even when we think about people and the way that they interact with, you know, um, their partners, their faith, all of that, like everyone's faith is expressed in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. So assumptions, an example for me I made this assumption in one of my intensives. So I'll throw myself under the bus. It was a really powerful moment. So um, my uh, intensive, it's a trauma intensive. And I did a couple of times this past year. And depending on who attends, I um, implement faith-based practices or not. Like if everyone in the group is faith-based, then I will include um, Christian principles into the trauma work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. I made the assumption of saying, doing a survey before, like you should say, hey, like, do you incorporate faith into your practice? Do you incor- mm-hmm. incorporate faith into like your healing journey? Everyone said yes. Um, ask questions like, do you believe in God? Everyone said yes. Mm-hmm. We get into the intensive and every person except for one person uh, raises their hand and she says, hey, I think there might have been some confusion I believe in God. I incorporate faith into my practice, but I'm Muslim. Yeah. My assumption was that if you believe in God and if you incorporate faith into your life, that you're a Christian. Mm. Right? Like that is like that. There are people who believe in God who do not believe in God in the way that I believe in God. But there was an assumption that God meant Jesus and, and, and like the path of Christianity. But for her, it was like all the questions, like I answered them all accurately. But we're talking about different things. I love it. Well, I I don't love it. That was probably hard, but (laughs) it's (laughs) eye-opening. It was eye-opening and it was good because it it was a moment where that person, because I was curious, like I still um, implemented, I asked her if it was okay and if she, and what she wanted. I said, Hey, like if it's up to you and obviously spoke to her separately and said, Hey, so if it's up to you, whether I incorporate these things or not. And she actually said, hey, I've actually grown a lot in my faith from following how you apply the Bible to mental health. Wow. The assumption is that if I'm Christian, 
me and my beliefs and my belief system cannot benefit anyone other than people who are Christian. Another assumption. She was excited. She wanted to learn more about the Bible. She wanted to learn more about how scripture tied into mental health. The assumption was that if she ascribed to or was raised in a specific belief, belief system, that she wouldn't be curious about my belief system. Wow. Right. Like those are all the assumptions that I, you know, first acted on, but then had the opportunity to then infuse curiosity and say, how do you feel about this? Instead of like, oh my gosh, I won't put any Christian things in here. Don't worry. I could have been scared and just been like, I'm not going to do this. But instead of asking her, how do you feel about this? And her being like, actually, I really love it. Let's do more of it. I, so I love, I love that example. I think it's really powerful and eye-opening for us, whether it's like in that faith context or a different one, I want to give a few specific questions to people as they're getting curious at their table. Um, I want to jump back to that for a second. So let's kind of use this scenario. So let's say we're at a holiday party, maybe not family. We're surrounded by a bunch of people that we don't really know. Um, People say all the time on our platform and question boxes, I hate small talk. How do I get past it? What are some, if you have them, if not, we could jump forward. Um, (laughs) Some just like really good curiosity uh, conversation starters. Oh my gosh. My husband is like amazing at this. And my husband will say to people, instead of what do you do? He'll say, what do you love to do? And they'll be like, huh? And he's like, what do you love to do? And sometimes they'll automatically be like, oh, well, I'm an engineer or I'm a teacher. And he's like, no, I want to know what you love to do. What's your favorite hobby? And just seeing people experience like on the receiving end, what it means for someone to be interested in them outside of their vocation is like priceless. Um, Another one that my husband uses that I absolutely love is like, what's your favorite thing about yourself? Wow. What's your favorite thing about yourself? Or he'll say like, if there was like three words that could describe, what's your name, Bill? There's three words to describe Bill. What are those three words? Wow. Calling all last minute shoppers. I have the perfect gift for the wine enthusiast in your life from our friends at Vochill. Vochill keeps your wine crisp, cool, and refreshing by actively pulling heat out of your glass for a truly effective and long-lasting temperature control. No more clunky metal or plastic tumblers or ice in your wine. It's just you, your glass, and your favorite pour perfectly chilled. My favorite part about the Vochill is that they are absolutely stunning and you can purchase them in just about any color to perfectly match your tablescape and the serveware that you have and love. Whether you're buying this for a gift or for yourself to enjoy as you are cooking your holiday meals, Vochill is a must this holiday season. Vochill made it on Oprah's list of favorite things. You are looking to get one for yourself or for a gift. You are going to want to run and not walk before they sell out. Head on over to vochill.com, V-O-C-H-I-L-L.com to get your own and get ready to sip, savor, and chill your way through this holiday season. Use code GATHER-15 at checkout for 15% off your own Vochill. This is why people hate small small talk. Small talk is the um, culturally appropriate way to figure out where you're going to, where and how you're going to judge somebody. Right. That's why people hate it. People hate small talk because small talk is really about give me these answers so I can figure out how to treat you. Whoa. Are you a CEO or are you a janitor? Are you a mother or are you single? 
Are you married, separated, divorced? What church do you go to? What belief system do you ascribe to? We're really asking people in small talk, do you deserve my respect and my attention or not? And that's why a lot of people hate it. Wow. Wow. And, you know, I'm thinking of those questions. Your husband's name is Kyle, right? Yep. Kyle. Yeah. Okay. Um, that Kyle asks, and it might even make people a little bit like uncomfortable at first. Cause we're not used to being asked those questions, but yeah. I think there's a monkey see monkey do effect that happens. Cause then people yes. realize, oh my gosh, okay. This is, this is the real stuff. Connections uh-huh. happening. I'm seen here. So even yeah. if you are someone practicing asking these questions and it lands flat at first, I would say, keep going. Yeah, for yeah. sure. People Absolutely. are hungry for it. Yes. People are hungry for connection. And yeah. I think what's really hard is the holidays, even though we're congregating, we're not connecting. Yes. And that's why it's so draining for so many people. Yeah. Another thing that I try to encourage people when they ask for conversation starters, I could be a little socially awkward, so I'm learning to, but um, is to pick up on things. So like if you're talking to someone for five minutes and they reference, um, like a marathon that they're training for, or, I mean, it's so easy to pick up on things that are important for people. Use that as your focal point and just keep asking questions like out of curiosity from there. So absolutely. um, Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, tell me if you think we already like talk this one to death or if you want to keep going, but, um, what does curiosity look like without being intrusive? Oh, yes. Um, So that's a really good question. It's really nuanced. So I hope my answer communicates well in like a a small bite. (laughs) I think that it is important not to direct our question in a way that demands that someone gives us specific information, right? Hmm. So instead of what's your mom like, how did you grow up? Okay. Right? You don't know if someone's mother has passed away or not. You don't know if someone's estranged from their mother. You don't, you have no clue, right? What's your mm-hmm. family like? Or uh, what do you enjoy doing, right? That That's something that what people are going to kind of like automatically share what they do on a day. They're like, oh, like I spend 12 hours a day working, you know, at this place. But I think that being intrusive is about letting that person decide how far they want to give you, how far they want to go as they give you information without demanding to clarify, right? So if you notice that someone's like, oh, I grew up in the Midwest and it was okay. Like if someone says it's okay, you don't need to ask, well, why was it just okay? Hmm. Right? Yeah. You can spin it and say like, oh, so how did you get to the East Coast? Ah, yeah. When we see things that may make people uncomfortable or we see things or hear language that indicates that someone may not want to keep going into that, then we honor that, right? Because Mm -hmm. we never want to put people in a position where they feel like they're giving more than what they want to or put them in a position where they feel socially awkward for setting a boundary like that. Right. So now, granted, that's not going to be perfect. Everyone's different. You, everyone has different social cues. And so you just may not realize, but I think the moment we start demanding to understand what people like, like, want, do demanding information is always a no-go. Wow. Wow. And I'm, I'm just thinking the curiosity versus nosy 
motive and definition that we talked about before is so key to that. Um, it always makes me laugh. And like you said, there are different cultural things and social cues and all of those. But when we lived in Thailand, a common cultural question is to ask your income, your salary and, and, and what you pay for your house, your rent or mortgage. It's kind of like, are you hungry? How's the weather? That's how normal it is. Oh my And gosh. I know. And so we were literally in a different city. I mean, like a plane ride away in Thailand in a taxi, just got out of the airport and the taxi driver. And I'm not, people know this. I'm not mocking. It's just yeah. interesting. You know, the taxi driver was like, Hey, how are you? How much do you make? And it's like, Oh my word. So I'm not proud of this. Like Colby and I shouldn't have lied, but we kind of cushioned our answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because especially we were, it, it our worlds are so different. Our world, yeah. and I don't think they would have been able to. It would have made things very uncomfortable in that situation. So, anyways, yeah. we don't have to go into evaluating that. But <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's yes. just so interesting. Um, it really is how different cultures even approach like what's invasive, what's intrusive, what's yeah. not. Um, but I think if I were to psychoanalyze <laughs> why they might ask, um, it's probably is to create some kind of like you were explaining small talk, like how should I relate to mm-hmm. you right now? Yeah. How, yeah. how well should I treat you today? <laughs> Ooh, wow. How well should I, treat you? I, I will also say when it comes to being intrusive, and this is really within American culture, um, I would say it's pretty good to shy away from the question why. Wow. I think that when, if we want to okay. like, not being intrusive. And that's obviously that can apply to different contexts. We want to shy away from like, well, why? You don't want kids? Why? You don't want to have a house? Why? Oof. Oh, like you work here? Why? I think that why is a question that um kind of implies like defend yourself. <laughs> wow. Explain to me. And so, again, it's not across the board, but I think that we do have to be careful about asking why to things when people share, because every time someone shares, it's a gift. It's a gift to us. We have to remember that. Hmm. That's so beautiful. And I think something, yeah, it's something we're all wanting more of. And so we don't want to burn the bridge too too early. You know, we don't want to be kind of labeled as the nosier intrusive person and shut down, you know? Oh, for sure. Shut that sure. down from the start. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think curiosity invites people to gather by allowing people the opportunity to be seen in a way that they don't have to fight for it. Ooh, say that. Can you say that again? Do you remember what you just said? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> sometimes I think- when sometimes when our guests say like a really powerful statement, I just want it a few times because we're all thinking it. We're all like, say that one more time. Say it again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think that curiosity invites people to gather because it allows us to all be seen without having to fight for it. You know, a wow. lot of us are fighting to be seen in our work by the way that we look, by the way that we are esteemed, whether it's online or in person. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be seen. I think that the pain that most of us feel is how much we have to fight to be seen, fight to be heard, fight to be connected to. And when we lead with curiosity and we invite people into environments of curiosity, we're letting them know we want to see you and we want to give that, give you that gift without a price. Yeah. I I recently, I should quote this in the, I'll find like who said it for the show notes, um, but we were reading a book recently in a small group I was in 
And the quote was to be known and seen is our greatest desire to be seen and not known is our greatest fear. Yeah. Yep. Right. And that's what you're saying. Like so many of us were surrounded by people we're known. I mean, but not, not that heart level. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what this curiosity allows. Wow. Um, a question just popped into my head and I don't know if this is your wheelhouse at all. And so just be honest, but, um, I think that the, you know, the younger generation, um, obviously is going to be at our table and I'm hearing so many stats about that generation feeling disconnected, um, struggling conversationally. Um, what are some questions that we can ask them to engage them this holiday season? I think that's the direction I want to go. So like, let's talk maybe like teenagers. Yeah. If you have any thoughts. Absolutely. I I have one that is like my go-to. Yeah. Um, What do you wish people knew about you? Ooh, wow. Like the narrative with, with adolescents, with teens, really of every generation is if only people knew and no one really knows or no one sees me. Right. Mm -hmm. As, as there's like a fight for like the popular kids, the weird kids, the outcasts, the, you know, like the, as they fight through the, their first real tango with social ecosystems, there is this idea that like, I am not seen, I'm not known, um, or what people see of me, they'll reject. Wow. Right. So like, what do you wish people knew about you? I wish people knew that like, even though I have an attitude, I really am a really silly person. That's like what I used to work with teens. When I did work with teens, that was like my icebreaker, mm-hmm. you know? And you would always find that whatever they shared, at least for me, whatever they shared verbally was almost the exact antithesis of what they expressed themselves to be. Wow. It was always like the super moody kid who was like, I'm really sensitive and I cry when no one's looking, you know? <laughs> or the really sensitive person who was like into death metal, you know? Yeah. Like there's just like... <laughs> This opportunity for them to say, oh my gosh, someone wants to see me. This is my chance. Wow. Wow. And I mean, probably the same as what I was saying before. I don't have a lot of experience with this situation. I'm not around a lot of like high schoolers right now, but picking up on things that are important to them. And instead of making them come to your level, going to theirs, I remember... I tell the story a lot, different parts of it in different settings, but we had a a family friend that was an artist. And he said one time, I think I was seven or eight, Katie, let me draw you in any setting. What would it be? And I said, on a stage talking to people. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know yet. And he just let me just like talk it through, talk it through. And it was so powerful for me. Like he didn't make me feel silly or anything. He just kind of let me go with it. And I felt such a strong sense of belonging there. So that is is much younger. Yeah. And even the whole college phase, like if you're at a table with a college age student, let them dream, let them talk. Don't shame their direction they're wanting to head. Okay. If we are someone, okay. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I am totally not that person that is natural or is curious. I am the person that finds myself in small talk. What are some of the first steps they could make or take? I think that some of the first steps that they could take is ask, like write down the questions that they wish that people asked them that people never ask. Ooh, I like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. I would start there. That's amazing. Sometimes I listen to movies or things and I'm like, wow, that's a good question. 
Yes. Yes. Just becoming aware. That's so good. Absolutely. And we, we are not going to be curious about other people unless we're curious about ourselves. Whoa. Okay. I've been sharing that a lot lately, doing the work, you know, yes. doing the work and that's like your whole platform. And so it's important. Wow. Okay. Well, I know we, um, we have to wrap up for today, but this will not be our last conversation. And so we will keep this going. Um, if you have time, let's just quickly go through these last three questions. I've asked you yes. them before, but I want to hear your current answers. Um, what is something that you have eaten recently and loved? Oh my gosh. My husband and I went to Korean barbecue on Monday for a date and it was so mouthwatering delicious. And <laughs> I'm going again tomorrow. That's how good it oh was. <laughs> I think your answer last time was Thai. I listened to the episode recently. Yes. So you have oh, good okay. food and taste, girlfriend. Or good taste. Oh my gosh, good food and taste. I said good taste and food. <laughs> I do have good food and taste too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my word. Okay. Something you have found to be beautiful lately. <laughs> um, I was just talking to some of the people in my membership group this morning about how like just after sharing my book, seeing how many people that I literally do not know support me and have like been like, I've been following you since this time, or I love what you're doing, or your work has impacted my life. And I just feel like God has done this like incredible redemption of something I wasn't even looking for redemption in. You know, growing up, wow. I like was bullied a lot and really struggled with feeling like I was accepted for who I was. And so to just show up on the internet, be yourself and have people like say, I love you and I care about you and I care about the work you're doing. That has been like a very beautiful, unexpected gift. Wow. So, so sweet. If we have time, let's answer this last one. Um, A gathering you attended recently that made you feel, yeah, that made you feel a strong sense of belonging. And if you could pinpoint it, what it was that made you feel that way. You know, this is like a little while back, but um, a couple of years ago, I went to Onsite mm-hmm. and I'm just very much obsessed with them. And I loved that space because everyone there, like everyone put down all the pretenses, you know, it, everyone was just there to heal. And so it was one of those places where vulnerability was rewarded instead of shunned. And that's what I loved about that space. Okay. Well, where do you want to send people um, for all things, book platforms? Yeah. Whatever you want to share. All of it. So um, KobeCampbell.com, www.KobeCampbell.com for all my things um, at KobeCampbell underscore all my socials, my TikTok, my Instagram. I love to share stuff about healing and growing and seeing God in the process of it all. So join me. Yay. So exciting. Well, thank you so much. This was so rich, so helpful, and just a fresh conversation for as we go into the holiday season. So we will see you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Bye guys. See you next week.